The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Shalom, everyone, and good morning. So, um, you know, uh, by the way, I should probably start from that. So Pastor John and and Pastor Daniel took me yesterday uh, surfing. I grew up by the beach in Israel, and um, so... That's a, a tradition we started. Can we show the surfing picture? So they were, um, they actually visited me in Israel um, in May, and we went out surfing over there. It was a lot of fun. And on the right-hand side, you know, this, is, this, this spot is right next to where Paul spoke in Caesarea with King Agrippa. So it's just a little west there in the ocean, so that's kind of stuff you have in Israel. But enough, enough of that. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, It's a blessing for me to share with you this Thanksgiving weekend, and as a non-American that loves America, I, you know, I never really celebrated Thanksgiving, but um, I'm infatuated by it, because I think it's a wonderful thing as followers of the Messiah to just stop life and thank God. And um, my, my personal testimony um, before you this morning is that I'm a blessed man. God has blessed me. And it doesn't mean that I have no problems in life or, you know, normal things and challenges don't happen. They do. But I'm a blessed man. And not because of stuff and not because of uh, hobbies, but uh, because I am a son of the living God. My sins are forgiven my past is redeemed, and my future is secure. And so, you know, as I, as I uh, knew I was coming here, I told you I kind of infatuated a little bit with Thanksgiving. I did some more reading, and I found out that I actually did some reading in, um, in, in websites of uh, American Jewish people, and I found that many of them talk about the Jewish origin of Thanksgiving. So I read a little more, and what they mean by that is that the initial settlers in North America that came from England, um, so, you know, they likened themselves to the Israelites. And to them, the king, the Puritans, the, the king of England didn't like them, and he persecuted them. And so they likened the king of England at the time to Pharaoh. And as they fleed... They crossed the Atlantic Ocean, they they likened to the Red Sea, and they came to the new promised land, not quite the land of Israel, but nevertheless, what would become the United States of America. And so for them, it was really important as they gathered their harvest in the fall to stop everything and just give thanks to God. And I think it's a pretty wonderful uh, tradition, and uh, again, at least I like it. So I wanted to show you a picture. Oh, there we go. Yes, that's the picture. Thank you. Oops, no, no. Going back. Yeah. That's the picture. Thank you. So just wanted to show this picture. A picture is worth a thousand words. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. What you see in this picture, I hope you can see it well, it's about 500 young adult Israelis that stopped their lives. It wasn't in Thanksgiving. It was actually in May, last May. And we all gathered, one for Israel sponsored this event, 500 young adults, Jewish believers in Jesus, that gathered together to give thanks to God. And you know, I, um, 
John and I were, were talking. I started following the Lord about 30 years ago. At that time, when, when I became a disciple of Jesus, I was fairly convinced. I mean, I really thought that I was the only, only person, you know? I, I never heard of anyone else that has become a, a, a Jewish person that has become a follower of Jesus since Paul or something that I read about in the New Testament. And if you would have told me at the time, I was 22 at the time, if you would have told me that there would be an event in my lifetime of 500 young adults that are gathering together to worship the Lord, I would say, wow, that sounds, I mean, sounds great, but you must be dreaming. So praise God. God is, is doing truly marvelous, marvelous things also, also among the people of Israel. And, um, you know, back to Thanksgiving, as I was thinking about Thanksgiving I, and read more about it, I started to seeing a lot of parallels, particularly to the Feast of Tabernacles. And as you well know, in, in Maranatha, you're quite unique in the fact that you actually celebrate the biblical holidays. And that actually provides, as you know, a lot of depth to your faith in the Messiah. But by and large, the church at large have been robbed generationally. I mean, this is for close to 2,000 years already, have been robbed from that knowledge. And so what does is, what is the Feast of Tabernacles have to do with Thanksgiving? So the first thing I would say, you know, the, the key passage, I'm going to read a few passages from the, from the Hebrew Bible, well, really from the Pentateuch this morning. And... Um, the key passage is found in Leviticus 23. Leviticus, kind of the heart of the Pentateuch, is probably the least read book in the Bible. For uh, most Christians, it's very detailed, and there's uh, talks about sacrifice at the beginning, and so a lot of people just don't bother to read it, but actually it provides a lot of depth. And in chapter 23, it talks about the seven appointed days, or feasts, that God has instituted. Now, you know, in English, the translation of appointed day is actually a good translation of the Hebrew word because when a day is appointed, it talks about a purpose. And that's really the root of the Hebrew word that is used for those. There is a purpose for those days that God said, we're going to celebrate day in and day out and day in and day out, I mean, year in and year out. And they're telling us a story. And the story is nothing less of God's plan of salvation for humanity. And the ultimate goal or the ultimate purpose is in the last feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, where all the nations will come to worship the Messiah, the King, as he reigns the earth from Jerusalem. So I want to give you today three reasons to celebrate Thanksgiving. Not, I don't think I have to convince you, but maybe shed a bit of a, a different light on it. So the first one... And uh, I'm, I'm going to read from um, Leviticus 23, the passage I mentioned in verses 39 to 43. The first reason to celebrate Thanksgiving is to remember, to stop our life and remember. So let me read those verses. On the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On that first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day the fruit of a splendid tree, branches of palm trees, and boat of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. I'm going to stop here for a second and say, well, those, those kind of plants that are mentioned here 
are a vivid reminder to the, um, you know, the gathering of the, of the fruit of the land, kind of like the turkey, I guess. Um, 41. You shall celebrate it as a feast of the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statue forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in boots for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in boots. Notice verse 23. Why all that? What's the purpose of all that? That you or so that your generations may know that I am Sorry, that I made the people of Israel dwell in boots when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So in other words, God is saying, I'm going to give you tangible things. And it doesn't get more tangible than to leave your comfortable home and to live in a, in a booth for a week. And I remember as a kid, you know, we used to love it. You know, it was a lot of fun. We would eat there. I mean, we helped, we helped our fathers build it. I, I lived in an apartment building, so we all kind of built it together. And then we would sleep in it, we, were, we were, would eat in it. It was, it was a lot of fun for the kids. I'm not sure about the adults so much. You know, it's, uh, my kids liked it much more than I did when, I, when, I was, you know, when they were younger. But um, the key point is, is to help us remember. Now, what do we need to remember? We need to remember where the Lord has brought us. From where did he redeem us? And, um, you know, again, I remember as kids, I have two brothers, and my brother and I, my brothers and I were like, well, you know, the Lord brought our forefathers from the boots, I mean, from, from, from Egypt, and they lived in boots, and ah, it's ancient history. Who, I mean, what does that have to do with our life? But then, you know, in our case, I can say what made it very real is my mother's story. So my mother was a young child when she immigrated with her family back to Israel from Babylon from Iraq after 2,500 years. I mean, they were there from the first temple diaspora. And, um, you know, they had a big house there and servants and whatever, but they couldn't take anything with them. And when they came to the young state of Israel that was just established, there were no housing. So they lived, I mean, literally lived in a booth for two or three years. So it was a tent. And, you know, initially when my brothers and I heard about it, I said, wow, it's got to be fun. You know, you're out there all the time. You can play. You can... And I said, well, it, it was fun in the summer. It wasn't so much fun in the winter. You know, when there was winds and there was rain. And, and when finally, you know, the apartment was ready, they gave them a tiny little apartment. You know, my mom said, wow, it was such a celebration because we had actually walls and a roof over our head. And um, so my brothers and I kind of look at her and said, wow, it sounds, sounds tough. Sounds rougher. So the point is, I mean, this is something very physical, but I think for us to remember from where God has saved us, where were our lives before we have known him. And, um, you know, as, as human beings, we, um, I, I told you about my brothers and I, we thought, well, what my mom had was, you know, a generation ago, so long ago, or 4,000 years ago, so long, and everything is new now. We have new technology, and our culture is different. True enough, what does not change is human nature. And as people, we forget. And so I want to read with you another passage um, regarding remembering from Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 11 to 14 and then 17 to 18. So this is God is speaking to the Israelites. And I'm emphasizing so that our generations may remember. So I'm starting from verse 11. Take care 
lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, um, that he may confirm his covenant that he sworn to your fathers it is now as it is this day. And I think if we are honest with ourselves, again, as blessed people, we have so many resources today on the material, on the spiritual. I mean, even the freedom together like this. I mean, it's something we take for granted. But just we are blessed people. But if we ask ourselves is uh, the following question um, and be honest with ourselves. So when do you sincerely call upon God? Do you usually call upon God sincerely and remember what he did when everything is going really well? Or when things are tough? And if you belong to the human race and you're honest, your answer will be when things are tough. When things are good, it's like, oh, I got this made. You know, so God is warning us here and I think Thanksgiving is giving us the opportunity to stop and remember. To stop and remember. And the second reason for Thanksgiving is to reflect or deflect, reflect to others God's goodness. And read about that in Deuteronomy 16, verses 13 to 15. Well, by the way, maybe before I read it, let me just say this, uh, something very brief. Uh, throughout the Bible, we see that God is speaking about the same topic from various different angles. And um, I liken it to a surround sound type of audio. You may remember, as those of you that are um, my age or more, may remember that when, when, you know, 30, 40 years ago, when you would listen to a sports game, you would have this little transistor radio and you put it in your ear or whatever like that. And that kind of broadcasts audio in what would be what we call mono sound. But now we have surround sound. And every sound sounds a little bit different, but the overall hearing experience is much, much greater. And in a lot of ways, the Bible is like that. And he talks about the same topic, and that's what I'm doing now, from different angles to give us the surround sound of God's complete picture. So the second reason for Thanksgiving, to reflect God's goodness to others. Verse 13, you shall keep the feast of booths seven days when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your winepress. You shall rejoice in your feast, and you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns. For seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your, in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you will be altogether joyful. So... Something really important here, um, and I'm going to give it a little bit of a context. You know, in the, in the cycle of appointed days, just before the Feast of Tabernacles, there's the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, the most solemn day in the biblical calendar where Israel as a nation is searching its heart, individuals, but 
on a national level, searching the heart and repenting before God for everything that took place this year. And um, a very solemn day, you know, everybody fasts and, and, and so on. And immediately after, there's a tremendous switch and start basically what God is saying here. You're going to start a week-long party, you know, lavishly joyful in everything that you have. And you're going to include everyone, including the weak in your society. The widow, the orphan, the Levite that doesn't have a field because he's serving in the house of God, the servants, you're going to include them. The sojourners, you're going to include them in this great party. No one's going to go hungry on that feast. And, um, you know, you see the verses from Luke 6 on the screen where Jesus is telling us, well, if you, if you only love your loved ones, what are you any different? Because everybody likes, I mean, most people, I guess, would like their family or their friends or the ones that are close to them. But Jesus is telling us to be the sons of, of God. If you call him Father, you got to love those that seem unlovable. And so I was very encouraged. I actually mentioned it to Pastor John. I was very encouraged to hear of the ministry that Maranatha has to um, you know, the elderly. Because they're, they're a forgotten part of our society. You know, I, I stay, um, for a mysterious reason that only my wife knows, I stay closer to downtown uh, uh, San Diego. And as I was driving here this morning, I passed through 2nd Street and I was amazed to see on both sides of the street different tents and, you know, a lot of homeless people that, again, I, I, would, I would like to believe that the churches in, downtown, in the downtown area care for them in Thanksgiving, but to reflect or deflect God's goodness to us, to include those that are not as fortunate is the second our purpose or goal of thanksgiving. And the third one, very important, is to go back to the word of God. And I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 31, verses 10 to 13. And Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read the law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear the reasoning, so that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law. And that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. So, again, talking about how blessed we are, how many, how many copies of the Bible do you have? Probably one in, in the bedroom and one in the living room and maybe one in your car. And, of course, you have it on your phone and your iPad. We take it for granted, but, you know, through most of history, people just didn't have access to the Word of God the way we do. And there are people in the world still that don't have that kind of access. And um, the third thing that Thanksgiving is calling us is to focus again, to refocus our attention on the Word of God. And to do so not just for ourselves, but also generationally to our children and to teach them to emphasize that what a blessing it is. We are so blessed to have the complete Word of God. 
And uh, note in this short passage that, um, you know, assembling the people to do that and teaching everyone in society is key. So these are three reasons for Thanksgiving. And as I mentioned previously, there's an ultimate, or I would even call it prophetic uh, purpose for the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the ultimate, I would call it the ultimate Thanksgiving. Uh, I referred to it earlier, and we, we read about it in Zechariah chapter 14, and also in Micah chapter 4. So I want to read, Zechariah, uh, I'll start with Zechariah 14. I'm only going to read verse 16. Then everyone who survived of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of boots. So there will be a time, and it seems to, as we look around the world, you know, we, we, one other reason that we are a blessed generation, we get to live in a time in history where we see God's plan advancing, God's plan for humanity, advancing super speedily. I mean, actually, it's kind of scary, for me at least, uh, at different times. But we get to see it. We get to see it and be part of it, part of the story. And um, ultimately, we know that the freedom that we now have and a lot has happened in the last year, you know, uh, internationally speaking. The government in the U.S. has changed. The president here has changed. The government in Israel has changed. Um, you know, in Israel, we've enjoyed tremendous freedom to worship and exercise our faith in the past 25 years. Just tremendous freedom. And as a result, there's been a lot of growth and a lot of exposure to the Word of God and to the Messiah Yeshua but, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say what's going to happen now. There's a different government, different flavor, and they, they, they want to change a few things. And so it would be interesting to see, as I hear also in the United States, which is kind of hard to believe. To me, it's at least mind-blowing. But uh, the climate is changing, right? I mean, it's, it's getting... As a, as a follower of Jesus, you are viewed... We are viewed as, I don't know, the enemies of advancement of, or, or bigots of some sort or whatever like that. But um, it's going to actually going to, the encouraging thing is actually going to get worse. <laughs> um, and it will culminate in a, in a season that the scripture call the uh, Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation at the end of which all the nations that will be there are going to come against Jerusalem at the last minute. The Messiah himself will come down with his feet on the Mount of Olives. And um, the geography of Jerusalem will change. Uh, he, he's going to defeat all the enemies. Israel, on a national level, not right now as a remnant, but on a national level, will believe on him, will see him whom we have pierced, as Zechariah says. And then, after that, the millennial kingdom when the Messiah is ruling the earth for a thousand years from Jerusalem will begin. And then this verse 16 happens. All the nations are coming annually to worship the Messiah, the King, the High King of Heaven we just sang about, to worship Him in Jerusalem. And they're going to do it on the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. So that's the ultimate, to me, it's the ultimate Thanksgiving. And let me just read those wonderful verses from Micah chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and, and say, 
Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that, we, that he may teach us his ways, and that, he may, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall, shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts had spoken. Amen. So this is something to look forward for. And that is encouraging. So as I, as I conclude... Let me just sum up as to why Thanksgiving, why take Thanksgiving seriously as an opportunity, as a day to give thanks, to stop and give thanks. First of all, to look back, to look back and thank God for his grace, for his love, for his mercy, for his redemption, for his son. It is a day of rejoicing and it has a purpose to recalibrate our hearts personally and generationally. This is something for our families, for our children as well. To tell them that we are redeemed people and that we have his joy and freedom. So to look back and then to thank God for the present. Focus on his word, his revelation, be part of his great plan and encourage those around us. This is a time the time now is a time where we can actually minister to those that are around us. And finally, looking ahead to the Messiah who's coming back soon. How soon? It's difficult to say. But in the meanwhile, we are his ambassadors to a world in dire need. And as we see the end coming close, it should give us a sense of urgency. This thankfulness should arise in us a sense of urgency to bring the good news to the needy world around us. So may God bless you, and I would like to pray for you. Oh, maybe before I finish, let me just say this. Um, we have a little one for Israel, has a little table in the foyer, and we'd love to see you. My colleague Leah and I are gonna be there. We have a prayer guide. In Maranatha, you pray for us, for our people, regularly, and we thank you so much for that. Uh, this prayer guide talks about spe 31 specific points. It's geared to be prayed for over a month, season, and um, it has specific points from uh, the Christian community in Israel. So we actually have very few physical copies, but there's a QR code. If you scan it, you can download it to your phone or your iPad, and you can pray for 31 days for Israel. So thank you and let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, we, we come before you and we just, we just praise your name. Lord, we, we thank you for the opportunity to stop and just look back and say, Lord, you have saved us. You have redeemed us from wherever we are. Even if we've heard the good news from a very young age, this is a powerful, powerful testimony. And all of us gather here, it's a powerful testimony that you are good. Father, I pray for Maranatha Church as Maranatha Chapel, Lord, as they uh, continue to serve you in this country, to serve you in the state, to serve you in the city, that you continue to bless. And from this place, 
a voice of thanksgiving that will draw many will continue to rise. We give you the thanks and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.